Well, good morning, church. It is uh, such a pleasure for me to get to be doing this here with you on this Sunday, right after Thanksgiving. As you watch this, you're probably still digesting turkey, gravy, macaroni, all the Thanksgiving trimmings, as they say. I'm filming this a little bit beforehand, so I'm just sending enough gratitude that it would get all the way from here to there and then. Uh, If you don't know me, my name is Nelson Luna, and um, I have the privilege of uh, just helping Julian with the church, and it's... um, It's been such a cool time to get to see God give us so much favor in this season. But on the Sunday after Thanksgiving, I just want to say that I'm so thankful for my lead pastor, uh, my lead pastors, Julian and Christina, for the way they lead our family and our friends to us and for the way they've led us through this season. But we should pray and get into the word because that is how we are planning to spend our time this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for just this opportunity to come to you in your word. Reveal more of yourself to us and shape us with it. In Jesus' name, amen. The title of my message is Hammer Time. And so as you guys would probably think, if you were a child of the 80s or 90s, you immediately think of MC Hammer, right? And so for those of you that wouldn't know what MC Hammer is or who MC Hammer is, is or what an MC Hammer does, I'm going to educate you. So we have to go back, way back to 1990, when an intrepid young rapper named MC Hammer dropped on us the absolutely iconic, you can't touch this. You can't touch this, the song, you also can't touch this. Just like six, socially distant, six feet. You can't touch this might be the new song for COVID. We're going to run it back. You're welcome, MC. I'll take about 10%, 15, 15% in royalties for the sales after this. But you can't touch this. Had this iconic moment. And as a dancer, I will always remember it and probably always treasure it. There's this moment and he goes, stop, hammer time. And there's this moment, and if you know it, help me. Oh, 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 I can't do much more than that because I got my COVID extra. I don't want to get too out of breath here. But the point is, MC would go in. I actually rewatched that video today. It's like five minutes long. They do that breakdown like four times. Like... Like, I'm like, let me get back to the 2020s when we just do like one drop and we're good. But he would go in. He's got the like moves. He's wearing these, he's, these hammer pants. Watching it as an adult, I could tell he really liked the parachute pants because when he would, he would do these jump turns and he would do like two rotations, three rotations, but then the pants would like bloom out. <laughs> and you know how little girls, when they're wearing like the dresses, they're like, look, mommy. And it's like spinning around. It was like MC Hammer was having that little girl moment, but as a grown man <laughs> with his parachute pants. I'll never forget there's a Taco Bell ad. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's this Taco Bell ad. And they were literally, they called them parachute pants because they're just big pants. This Taco Bell ad took it too far. MC Hammer's jumping out of a plane. The parachute pants are actual parachutes into Taco Bell. I was just like, I can't. It didn't make any sense. And I was like, I'm, it's dangerous. Like, what about the people that are like, but my parachute pants can make me fly? 
<laughs> it's irresponsible. Don't do it. This message isn't about any of that. That was just a little bit of fun I wanted to have. But this message is actually about how God uses what the Bible would call trials. Basically, trials are just tough situations. And as we are going into this, we're in the third week of this series, Father Figures. I wanted to talk about how these trials are actually a vital part and, and actually really incredibly important to what God wants to do in us and through us as he molds us into father figures. So I want to set the stage as we start to unpack this idea of trials, these external circumstances that cause us pain. I want to set the stage. Father figures is actually based, this series is based on a phrase that Jesus said. In John chapter 14, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. But before he says that, we're actually in this situation that you would know is like the last supper. It was this Passover dinner right before Jesus was to get arrested. And many times before this dinner, Jesus had told the disciples, hey, I'm not gonna be here forever. I'm gonna leave. But they didn't believe him. And then there's this, this night, this dinner, and he actually like starts the night. He washes their feet. He's going through this whole kind of preparation process for this moment in his ministry. And he talks to the disciples and he, he's, first he starts Judas, you're going to betray me. They're like, what's happening? No way. And he's like, and then I got to go. So all of a sudden, it, it, I picture it like way different than you would picture the Last Supper. The Last Supper is like, you know, John's got his head on Jesus's shoulder, looking up at him. You know, I think only one of them is like actually standing up like this. But I think it was like all of them like, yo, wait, hold on. I got to talk to Jesus because he said he's leaving. I got like seven things I need to ask him. Get out of my way. Timothy, shut up. I got to talk to Jesus. You asked him four questions. I've only gotten one. And finally, Philip goes, Jesus, in John chapter 14, eight through nine, he says, Lord, show us the father and we'll be satisfied. First of all, <laughs> you're not gonna be satisfied. Let's be honest. You have like seven more follow-up questions. Like you just straight up lied to the savior. Jesus replied, I've been with you all this time, Philip. And yet you still don't know who I am. Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. So why are you asking me to show him? So Philip says, Jesus, just reveal God to me. I'll be satisfied. I'll be good. Which like I said, I'm gonna call BS on that. But we'll move on. <laughs> we won't be satisfied, but in typical Jesus fashion, he answers in a riddle. I'm like, come on, Jesus, let's tell me plain. Can you just straight up reveal it? Don't give me like a puzzle to solve, especially right after we wrap your last dinner and you're about to go to heaven and you said, this is it. And I'm stressed out. Imagine the uncertainty these guys were feeling at the table. Much like we're all encouraged to do, they put their hope in this savior, in the future that he'd promised. And now they're hearing, actually, I have to go. And they're not yet believing that it would be better for him to. So amidst this uncertainty, Jesus reveals this answer that we need, but it's not really as satisfying as I would want it to be. And I thought about uncertainty, especially in a year like the one we've experienced. And uh, we learned that I'm actually really sensitive <laughs> to uncertainty this year. And uncertainty is just one form of discomfort. I think we all subscribe to a very similar notion that if we understood more about God, who he is, why he does what he does, if we could just see more, we'd experience a little bit less of that uncertainty or less of some of the other discomforts like stress or worry or anxiety. 
I mean, isn't that what we want? We don't want, who, who like, put in the chat if you would be willing to be uncomfortable for no good reason. Like, just put it, like, nobody's, the chat's not blowing up right now. <laughs> like, nobody's going to opt for that. Like, you want the chat to blow up. So who doesn't want to be uncomfortable? Like, who wants some comfort? Like, yeah, freaking reggaeton horns going off, you know? <laughs> we don't want to be uncomfortable. But I would submit to you that we would all benefit from shifting our desire away from freedom from pain to seeking comfort during pain. Discomfort is just like pain. Um, but that's the problem. We, we try to avoid any pain. We, going back to the 90s, in middle school, we used to play this game, game, hard, hard quotes game. You would go up to one of the other boys and you'd be like, And the whole game was like, you would be the other boy that the one would come between you, you'd have to like not flinch. So you'd just be like. <laughs> but your body's like, oh, I'm about to be punched, do something. <laughs> your bo- you're fighting over every instinct in your body that's saying, avoid this incoming pain. And the whole game is like, I'm gonna pretend as convincingly as possible you're about to experience pain. And then you're... It was the dumbest game ever, but boys are stupid. We know this. <laughs> we notice. My favorite superhero is Spider-Man. One of his superpowers is just heightened pain avoidance. It's called a spider sense. He can sense pain coming so early that he can just always dodge it. That's like a, that is a superhero power I think we'd all want if we could opt for one. It's like flight and visibility spider sense for me, you know? Um, <laughs> but... Even though every instinct in our body tells us to run away from pain, we have these scriptures that actually tell us that there is joy in pain. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And here we are. Jesus says in our moment of stress, hey, just give us God. We'll be satisfied. Well, if you see me, you've seen the Father. But I'm stressed. And now I'm supposed to use this pain to turn it into joy. I'm stressed without you, Jesus. I'm just uncomfortable without you, Jesus. I'm worried without you, Jesus. How do we find you in the midst of that? These verses I'm talking about that are really frustrating, if I'm honest. <laughs> James 1, 2 through 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. That's never encouraging. Just a piece of advice. Your, your girlfriend, guy friend calls you and he's like, dude, I'm having some real troubles. Consider it great joy. Don't, it won't work. It will not work. Please don't take my advice on that. Try it if you need to, but you'll get, it's one for one and you're done. For you know, he continues in verse three, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. There's another verse, Romans 5, 3 through 4. We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials. There we are again. I'm supposed to be happy running into problems? 
For we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead us to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. First Peter 1, 6, so be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. This is getting good, even though you must endure many trials. Wait, I didn't like that twist. <laughs> For a little while. Honestly, too, that one feels like a little bit like, uh, like it, a little while or a long while. What's a little while in your time? Because like uh, March, April, May, it's November. <laughs> this wasn't a little while. Hebrews 12, one through three. Therefore, since we're surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has up before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. I mean, it's starting to make a little bit more sense. Julian preached from this in, uh, in week one, and that was when I kind of like really felt like, oh, this is a word I'm excited to preach. But what's funny about that Hebrews 12.1 actually have part of that verse tattooed on my leg. I have the part that says, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. And to continue, I would have had to probably go like up my thigh, maybe up to like my rib. So I didn't, because I didn't want like to, like, I didn't want to be that big of a tattoo. But I, I definitely, even if I did want to go to my rib, I probably still would have stopped. Because I don't really know if because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross looks good as a tattoo. That's not one of those verses we go to for encouragement, is it? And yet, as I look closely at these verses, I mean, really tried to unpack them because I really wanted to understand. I really want to discover how do I find joy during suffering? It doesn't make sense. It keeps contradicting itself. So how? How does this happen? I mean, other than not having to suffer, wouldn't it be cool if we could discover how to have joy during suffering? I would like to know. And I went to the scriptures and I searched it out. And so I want to share maybe what I've learned. I found in this exploration that this pain, those trials and troubles can reveal purpose, includes a promise, and it comes with a plan. Before we move on, we have to make sure we're talking about the same thing when we talk about pain. I have a pretty intimate relationship with pain. In 2009, I got hit by a car while I was riding a bicycle and I dislocated my ankle and broke both of my shin bones. It was about 10 years later in April 2019 that I finally had a surgery that actually fused all of the bones in my ankle to help with the pain. If you were around in our church in May, it was when Amy and I, my wife, got uh, ordained. And I actually got ordained with a cane. That's, you know, that's my, I'm, the, I'm Nelson ordained with a cane, Luna. Um, that's my, that's my, my pastor MC name, ordained with a cane. You know, a man with the plan. I'm ordained with a cane. You know, one of the things I did frequently in that decade between, you know, the original injury and that 
um, surgery that helped with the pain was try to describe my pain. And it's actually really difficult to describe pain because we all have a different perspective and perception of pain. You know, the, the Stanford medical community, they actually ended up developing a tool called like a pain chart that was actually a helpful tool to be able to describe pain. So I think we have it where I could show it to you. There you are, right? You got no pain, like <laughs> moderate. And then we have severe. Is that, it's probably not clear. It's probably not coming through. <laughs> but this is, I want to I talk to you about like where, these, where this pain lands. And I want to be really specific about something. I'm not talking about like, God wants you to deal with level 10 worst pain ever to shape you and reveal a plan, a purpose, and a promise. I'm talking about that like level three, level four discomfort. It actually describes that you could pinch, you could pinch like the, this little part of your hand right here as hard as you can with your fingernails. And that would be like what a four would be like how they would describe it. Anything more than that is like where we start to get into dangerous territory. Amy just had our, our lovely second son, Jackson, on July 31st, and we had a birth coach, and she actually really revealed a cool thing about that whole process. We would all agree that birthing a baby includes pain, um, and we would also agree that my perspective or perception of that pain would be much different than Amy's. But the, the birth coach, you know, in, in describing and helping us have the experience Amy wanted, she talked about something. She said, Amy, I want you to communicate with us as much as possible during what you're dealing with, that if that pain ever becomes too unbearable and starts to become what I would call traumatic, that you let us know so that we can introduce some interventions. That was her fancy way for saying, so we can help pain manage. And that's the part of this that I really want to impart to you. Like, listen, girl, if he's cheating on you, God does not, he, he'll use that later, but get out now. <laughs> like, this is, not, this is not a message for staying in that jacked up situation at that jacked up job where they take advantage of you and abuse you and it's toxic and you walk in and your heart's already like, <gasps> get out, get out of bad situations. This is not that pain. I'm talking about we're in the like yellow level three or level four. That's the kind of pain that God can use. You know, there's this, there's this point where I think we all get where <laughs> we kind of want to channel the realness of you can't touch this. We, I, I like to predict where pain might come from and then just <laughs> let it go by. I mean, like, on the way here to church, this guy was doing this thing. Everyone knows this move. If you've gone south down Normandy, there's a move people do down lights where they go around you. And, like, thank God, I was like, oh, I could see this dude coming. So I break. He almost rear-ends the car in front of me. Like, that's how intense this moment was because then the fourth car in this story way in the front had stopped short to turn left. And I'm like, I'm trying to predict these moments as much as possible. And so... How the heck? I don't even know why I signed up to try to tell you to go headlong into pain. We're supposed to try to avoid this, right? So then what is the situation that these verses are for? What is it that, 
I am supposed to endure for. Sure, I get it. Like, I know the, avoid the trauma, just discomfort. But like, still, like, what's the point? Can't, Jesus already did what he did. Why do I have to do what you're saying? Romans 5, 33 through 4, I told you about it. That verse, that, the word in there for endurance, it actually, as I looked this up, means well or long-tempered. My natural thought, long-tempered, sounds opposite to short-tempered. And you would probably accept me telling you that that means slow to anger or patient. It's actually describing something Julian hinted at in week one. Julian told this story about a blacksmith. He said, I know the sword's ready when I see my face in it. This word for endurance actually is more like that process Julian described. Well-tempered, long-tempered is actually the process by which a sword gains enough strength to not break when it's used for its purpose. Let me say that again. This word that for endurance is actually describing a similar process that a blacksmith would use to finish a sword so it has enough strength so that it doesn't break when it's used for its process. And there we see the purpose for pain. The purpose of this discomfort is to allow that finishing work, that finishing work where God shapes us into who he intended for us to be. Therefore, if we want to become father figures, if we want to have the power or the ability for someone to see us and have an encounter with our heavenly father, we have to finish the work. Now, if I said to you, I could reveal your purpose definitively. I could make you really useful for it. I can give you a three-step plan. You'd say, tell me, Nelson. You'd probably sound pretty happy. Oh, so maybe that's how I can derive joy. By not focusing so much on the outward circumstance, it's creating discomfort. But focusing on the inner work God gets to do as I experience it in obedience and in closeness to him. You see that tempering process, it involves heat and hammering. <laughs> None of that sounds fun. But what happens during that process is that it actually works out the tiny imperfections you can't see in the steel. These tiny imperfections have to get worked out so that steel has the strength that it doesn't break when it's used, like I said. And so the purpose of the pain is to finish the work. So what's the promise of the pain? The promise of the pain is the joy of usefulness. I, I, I would kind of like to say a clever phrase that the promise of the pain is divine delight. You know, if you've ever felt that feeling of like, I'm really doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm really, this feels right. That's the kind of joy I believe is possible as we get better at shifting away from this outward discomfort and actually really submit and surrender to this inner work. I'm, uh, I'm the kind of person that really wants to be useful and helpful. I think we've all, we all appreciate feeling that, that feeling of value that we know, hey, I actually was able to help in that situation or I was able to be of use. We all wanna, I, I think we all yearn to have that moment of discovery of our purpose. And I actually believe that it's, it's intended. I think God put that in us so that we would always be drawing closer to the image he created us in. 
So then the, the plan. So the purpose of the pain is to finish the work, to help you make sure that you don't break when you're useful. The promise of the pain is the joy. The joy is you shift from focusing your perspective on the outward pain and into the inner pleasure of letting God finish you. And now the plan for the pain. The plan for the pain is revealed in that. There's three components I wanna highlight to you in the process of tempering. There's the smith. God holding you steady as you navigate the trials, the tests, the pain that the world throws at you. How do you stay steady? By being obedient to what's in his word. That keeps you in his hand. Jesus talks about abiding in the Lord. Be there. There's a verse in Jeremiah 23, 29. It says, does not my word burn like fire, says the Lord. Is it not like a mighty hammer that smashes a rock to pieces? The hammer is the situations, the trials, the tests described in those other verses I I shared. Now, I want you to picture something. I want you to picture a blacksmith with a hammer. I'll use the Bible as a hammer because that feels on brand, right? (laughs) Sorry if that's ever happened to you. I won't trigger you that way. But now imagine this Bible is a sword. That's a better, better. Imagine the Bible is a sword. Here's the hammer and I hit it. And if I don't have anything to hit it against, what happens? Right out of my hand. The third and most vital component is an anvil. And ancient anvils were actually made out of stone. I want to make a connection for you that that stone, that rock, is also another way we refer to Jesus. And so there's this combination of a situation while you're steadied in God's hand through obedience that hits you. And what happens? It actually drives you deeper into God, deeper into presence with Jesus, deeper into your word. And that's how it can become a forming work that might actually be able to, when you focus on it, give you joy. The hammer steadied by God's hand, pressing you deeper into the word. It really only works if that's your response to the situations. Otherwise, like I said, one element off place. If you're not steadied by God's hand, your instinct to dodge, juke it. Here comes pain. Use Neo from the Matrix. (laughs) You know, here comes pain that could actually shift you and drive you closer to purpose. And you're just like Neo because we're not being obedient and driving into God's word, driving into the father to become like the father. Let him steady you. It makes that game of flinch you play with the devil go a lot better because <laughs> he's got you holding steady. Letting those situations hammer you and drive you deeper, deeper into the word and deeper into the presence of our savior. John or James, rather, the verse that this message is based on. I'll go back to it. James 1, 2 through 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. When your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. For the perfectionists that are triggered right now, 
that's just another word for maturity. So think about it like a finishing work that's happening. There's another part of James later on, verse 23 of the same chapter. He says, for if you listen to the word and don't obey, that's the obedience I was talking about that keeps you steadied by God's hand. If you listen to the word and you don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you looked like. That's like a verse, maybe one of the verses of the Bible that like is, uh, James is one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. And this verse has been one I've meditated on for a long, long time. And it was just in preparing this message, I had a realization. Some Bible scholars would credit James, the James that wrote that book as Jesus's half-brother, James the Just. And I'm like, oh yeah, of course Jesus is half-brother because they can't have the same dad, right? <laughs> they can only have the same mom. And then I was like, oh shoot, that means, and I got, I'm like one of those weirdos, I think science-y. I'm like, what's his other half of his DNA? Like I'm picturing Jesus's spiral DNA helix and I see the human side and I'm like, what's the divine side look like? And then it actually made a connection for me too. You see, I have two boys, our oldest Fitz and our youngest Jackson, and they actually look really different. Um, Fitz kind of takes after Amy, Jackson takes after me, but they have some similar traits. Like if I show a photo of both of them, they look similar. And I thought about it, I'm like, wow. It actually made this, this verse about a mirror hit different. Imagine what it would look like if you looked in the mirror and you actually share half of the same genetic code with Jesus. I mean, it'd be kind of cool because it's way easier to see the likeness of Jesus in that. But what if through this process, we actually get to form and shape to where we don't look physically like Jesus, but spiritually like Jesus. Then maybe this is the way we can actually share half of his DNA by submitting to this process and allowing God to reveal his purpose, his plan, and his promise for us through that pain. I'm gonna pray and we'll end service. Heavenly Father, we thank you. I submit this message to you, this time to you, God. I pray that by your spirit, what is of you and for them would stick and what is of me and a waste would just fall to the wayside, God. We thank you that through this process, you are revealing what you wanna do in us so that you can show us what you wanna do through us. And we thank you most of all for what you did for us by sending your son, Jesus. I wanna pray for someone, um, anyone out there actually that's, that feels like they have to get this right to get in relationship with God. He, that was already sorted by Jesus on the cross. This isn't for God that you do this. This is for you. So please, please don't hear this message and go, go out there and try to get this right. Because God doesn't need it. He doesn't want it. He's our, he did what he needed to do to get to you. He has everything he wants. The ability for you to get close to him. Remember, this is for you, for what God wants to do in you and for what God wants to do through you. And that's what I wanna bless you with today. So Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the way you're revealing purpose. 
I thank you for anyone right now that needs the comforter that is your Holy Spirit. I thank you that you're giving that to them right now. I thank you that we can submit anxiety, worry, any frustrations or stress to you, God. We can exchange them for peace and joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, thank you so much. It's been such a delight to get to spend this time with you. It's my sincere heart that some part of this message blessed you. But more importantly, maybe that some part of this inspired you to go into the word and explore this yourself. Don't just take this from me. One little fun, like just like little dessert nugget for the end. (laughs) Sometimes I think we get pain management wrong because we get bad medicine from bad doctors. Have you ever heard anybody say this too shall pass and call it scripture? It's not in the Bible. That's not good medicine. That might have a placebo effect. Placebo effects when you get medicine that doesn't have medicine in it, but because you think it's medicine, it worked, but it doesn't actually do anything to heal you. Don't let, I don't want this word to be a placebo effect that feels good now. I want it to be something that drives you deeper into the word so you can get that that divine delight, that joy that comes from letting God work in you. So thanks again for letting me join. I hope that last little nugget hit for somebody. Man, we love you so much. Happy Thanksgiving for those of you that watch from the U.S. And we'll see you soon.